0: This episode of Best Girl Grip is sponsored by Share Her Journey, the Toronto International Film Festival's initiative to increase participation, skills and opportunities for women behind and in front of the camera. You can also join the movement at shareherjourney.org. Hello and welcome to Best Girl Grip a podcast that celebrates the women behind the scenes of the British film industry. I'm your host, Nicole Davis. Hello, pod pals. I made it back for season two. Let's do this. It's actually been so great to take a break because as much as I was enjoying recording and producing and editing the episodes, I did feel like I was running out of steam towards the end of June, July, gosh, I can't even remember when I, when I finished uh, season one now. I now feel so genuinely excited to be back at the microphone and with lots of wonderful guests lined up. So the next six episodes including this one were all recorded at the Toronto International Film Festival and full disclosure on how that happened I heard about this initiative called Share Her Journey on Twitter and I reached out to the team at TIFF and pitched the podcast to them and uh, they very kindly subsidised my trip out there which I definitely wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. It was such a fantastic experience and a unique opportunity to speak to women across the pond and compare what the industry is like in Canada and the US as opposed to the UK and also get an insight into how TIFF's is programmed and has earned the reputation that it has i also want to thank jeff mcnaughton who's the industry director at tiff and co-hosts their podcast the long take which if you don't listen to already you absolutely should it's packed to the rafters with juicy industry insights and so thank you to him for uh, facilitating the use of their podcast recording space for these episodes so let's get down to business for the first episode of Season 2, I spoke to Dorota Lech, a Polish-born and Toronto-based film programmer who became the lead programmer of the Discovery section this year. She has worked for TIFF since 2013 and also produces the Hot Docs Forum, a pitching event aimed at garnering financing for international documentaries at Hot Docs, North America's largest documentary festival. Dorota previously held positions at the National Film Board of Canada and Tallinn Black Knights Film Festival. This year, the Discovery Programme for TIFF had 37 films from emerging filmmakers who represent 35 countries, and 54% of the films selected were directed by women. I spoke to Dorothea about how she discovered programming herself, what the selection process looks like, how you market emerging filmmakers in a very busy festival lineup, and what her proudest programming moment has been. This is episode 31 of Best Girl Grip. festival been so far i know it's only day two but are you finding it good
1: honestly really exciting it's it's that time of year where everyone you've been communicating with for months and you know falling in love with their films and getting Mm. excited about their travel making sure they get visas to come to canada which is sometimes a challenge um it all comes together and then everyone arrives and it's like all of your new friends are in the same spot and so it's been really fun but exhausting oh gosh but exciting um and
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, it's your first year doing the International and Discovery Program?
1: Yes, so it's my first year leading the Discovery yeah. section. Previously, the the program didn't have a lead programmer, which is the mm. case with Contemporary World Cinema, which is now run by Kiva Reardon, and Masters, which is run by Brad Dean. Uh, but I've been doing regional programming for a while at TIFF, so Central and Eastern Europe became more part of my title this year, but mm. something that I had been working on before. Um, though for the previous six years before this, I was on the documentary section with Tom Powers.
0: Okay, yeah. so before we sort of... Uh, because I really want to break down how it works you know when when you start in the year yeah. like how do you make selections but, but before we move on to that let's talk about how you even got into programming yeah was that a career that you knew about and were pursuing or you fell into it
1: no I hadn't I I honestly cinema has always been my passion and I didn't even think it would be possible to get a job in the arts I know that sounds maybe strange I, no, don't, but it I feels don't know quite what position exclusive. You're coming from. Okay. it feels Close so exclusive the and, I don't know I grew up in Poland I'm an immigrant to Canada and I have you know like classic immigrant parents that were really ensuring that I would was really good at math and science and you know had a career that would allow me to have quote unquote a job which I didn't realize this this was until it you know kind of came to be in in like a um, serendipitous way but uh in college so I went I went to university for for international development studies and then my graduate work is in women's studies and political science and I had like dreamed of being a professor that was that was my plan that was the goal and um should I be telling you my life story is that the point no, of this <laughs>
0: interesting in that you, think you kind of maybe like when you're when you're young and you're going into film you think that maybe you should study film but actually hearing you say that like that kind of no. feels like that might inform your programming tastes and what you're interested in now I feel like they, maybe that's even Definitely. smarter.
1: well I mean I don't, I don't know if it's smarter I to be honest like sometimes I wish like oh I, I haven't seen so many of these films that are in the canon mm-hmm. but I did have a passion for cinema that you know ensured that I was watching films throughout my life, but it's not something that I pursued as like a possibility of of you know having a a, pay, a payout. Mm. Not that this job is a payout because it is absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but but it was it was just kind of like a a, a nice dream that manifested. So I feel um, very lucky. So about you that.
0: graduated college with yes. a degree, um, yes. and then where did you where did you go to find your first job?
1: Uh, well, I <laughs> when I finished grad school, I was like a complete mess. You know, I hadn't slept in two years and was like <laughs> completely depressed. So I decided before I went on to do a PhD, which I never did, I would move to Berlin mm-hmm. and and become a kindergarten teacher, oh, wow. yeah, which I did for two years. And in the process of doing that job, I, you know, was exposed to a lot of people in the arts, and I happened to get a, a rental, a random, like, Airbnb in the home of... A director? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, a directing couple. A, okay. a husband and a wife. And they kind of took me under their wing, because I, I was just so annoying. I was asking a lot of questions. And mm. well, to be completely honest, it wasn't so much an apartment as it was, like, an editing suite with a bed. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no money at the time, which is continues to be so, but, like, I really had no money at the time. So I would... You know they would they would use the suite in the daytime to work when I was at the kindergarten and then in the evenings I would sleep there but there was all this like film stuff around so I was always asking questions right. and then they ended up wanting help with the production company because things were kind of gearing up for them mm-hmm. and I started doing that you know I, I still at that point I didn't think of it as a as a real job it just was like an extra way to make yeah. money and it was interesting and fun uh, but then after after four years in Berlin I moved back to Canada and absolutely did not know what I would do. Um, So I started looking for, for work in the arts and got hired at the National Film Board of Canada, which had this really cool program that doesn't exist at the time, that was teaching teaching film to children so like stop motion really basic film concepts and like you know making cute little stop motions Mm. with like eight-year-olds which doesn't require a lot of training (laughs) and because i had this kindergarten training (laughs) and the and the passion for film i got the job and that kind of like rolled into a job at hot Docs, which is the documentary festival Mm. here in toronto it's actually the biggest documentary festival in north america and that job at Hot Docs then turned into my associate job at TIFF, working mm-hmm. for the documentary section, and that was six years ago. And now I'm working in fiction. So it really, like, it's a series of strange events that happened, yeah. like, in such a cool, I feel like, way that isn't really replicable. And does anyone you look back and kind
0: of maybe think about how it all like fell into place? Yeah, like, at the time, yeah, you feel very much like you're scrambling through.
1: Totally, this wasn't my plan, and I, I feel like. Being really open and up for anything was a, was a big part of it because, mm-hmm. like, these jobs are super precarious. They are, I don't know, like, they're, they're more of, like, a lifestyle than a job in many ways. Our hours are crazy. We travel all the time. And if it's something that you're really passionate about and you can pursue because it's, like, somehow attuned with your personality or with, you know, your, your passions, then then maybe it'll work out. Mm. I hope it'll work out.
0: (laughs) So coming back to hot dogs, because I know you were were programming the industry kind of side of things. Yeah. The pitching forum, is that right?
1: Exactly, the financing forum. So... We just had our twentieth uh, year anniversary, and it's it's a really cool program actually. Mm-hmm. So twenty films from around the world pitch. Well, first the, first we get a lot of applications, and we select twenty films, but they pitch to a room of commissioning editors, film funds, financiers, private investors as well, mm-hmm. uh, to get co production money and and financing for their documentaries. So I've been running that for the last four and a half years.
0: And how are you getting those people in the room, both on the the, the pitching side and then also the commissioning side?
1: So on the pitching side, I, I mean, we there are a lot of funds associated with pitching as well. We give out around. A every year just internally with the projects that pitch so I feel like there's a lot of incentive to apply because it's like applying to a fund that just has a pitching component that could trigger more money and in terms of getting the broadcasters to be honest I mean I I, like I was saying the the forum has existed for 20 years and I only walked in five years ago so there there was already a great system of it being established Mm. as a good financing forum and so I've just tried to like maintain that and then bring in new buyers yeah. from around the world yeah
0: <laughs> do you find it beneficial to have that side in that you work in documentary and you work on the industry side and then you also work uh, in fiction as you said and then on the public facing side with tiff do you kind of find that a good sort of yeah balance between the two definitely
1: i think i i, I mean never say never but I, I don't think i would ever just do programming year-round because it's really it's it's really like an isolated type of work and you get really in your head mm. and I, I do need to work with people and I've found that by doing the the industry side it also helps me understand how films are actually financed yeah. and the business side of it which is a huge part of programming right like we're not we're not programming for for five people the idea is to help these films get sold and shown and and to travel around the world so mm-hmm. definitely those those two mm-hmm. things work together in an informed mm-hmm. way um, but I can't speak too much to fiction because this is this is really my first fiction job yeah
0: how, how has that been kind of the first year doing it was it in at the deep end
1: honestly like so wonderful and so terrifying because you know I, I got hired in the winter and the festivals in September so mm. it was a pretty short turnaround time to to curate a program. Um, and it's also it's not just me. So the section itself, Discovery, is 37 films. They represent 35 countries. And we have different programmers that feed in from from various regions. Mm-hmm. So for example, Giovanna Fulby is programming films from Asia. Steve Gravestock is programming films from Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. Michael Lerman is programming films from the US. Kiva Riordan is programming films from the Middle East and Africa. So it, it's it's not just me, but we work together to, you know, make a mm. A cohesive program. But getting that together in a few short months was was definitely challenging. And I'm looking forward to next year to like, have a bit more, you know, hindsight yeah. and foresight of, of yeah. how the program should look. I'm not saying I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I'm like, extremely proud of it. And I th- Think that the films really speak for themselves, but I definitely um, haven't slept since
0: April. Yeah. So, what's <laughs> the usual start? So, say for next year, the the festivals in September. Mm-hmm. When do you start watching films, ready for the the coming festival? The
1: watching varies, um, but definitely the, the the work has already started, right? So, I'm I'm staying on top of what's being financed, who's making what, mm-hmm. and the cool thing about working at a festival like TIFF, which which is a bigger festival and does have a lot of exposure, is that people do contact you saying hey like in a year or two years from now I'm going to have a film like remember me and you 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 meet producers and you build relationships because this whole industry is you know an industry of relationships so I think the longer you do it the easier it gets
0: and are you just having to trust your own taste like what goes into making a decision to select a film to play here
1: Definitely. I, I mean, film is entirely subjective, so it's like one person's masterpiece could be another person's lump of coal. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, a lot of it's instinct, but also, I like, we need to think about our audiences, right? Like, this is an audience-first festival. We really care about the people of Toronto getting cinema from around the world. Representation is really, really important to us as a festival, and it's important to me as a person. So, like I was saying, there's there are 35 films represented in Discovery, and that was... i I didn't expect the number to be so high to be completely honest with you but it would never be the case that you know you'd only see like 10 countries represented in a program of 37 films we're really we're really looking to like have a a wider what's the word i'm looking for i'm doing a lot of hand gestures landscape (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly and (laughs) and i mean in terms of quotas i'm not i'm not i'm not like a quota programmer but Mm -hmm. I am happy to say that the the program is 54% directed by women and that honestly is like those are the best films we saw those are the best films we chose and Mm -hmm. there happens to be more than a gender balance in favor of female directors Mm -hmm. and that's like really rad and and really it, it wasn't the goal it's just like I think what happens if you actually like respect female filmmaking <laughs> and access as well right you know like the I think that when people or festivals or you know decision makers gatekeepers whatever you want to call them get questioned about the lack of female representation that their festivals are in their programs one of the answers you often hear is like you know times are changing younger filmmakers w- will make the difference because financing is changing and in a way that's really true like I, I do think as someone who programs first and second features I do have more access to women's cinema because more women's cinema is being financed but Mm. that said it's I don't think it's as dire as other
0: people have made it seem (laughs) Um, And coming back to the selection process as someone that didn't study film and you you said like you perhaps weren't as to grips with the canon as perhaps other Mm -hmm. people at what point did you learn to trust your taste oh I don't even know how to answer that it's I don't know if I have
1: learned to trust my taste like I basically have like a panic attack before every premiere <laughs> being like i hope everyone loves this as yeah. much as i have I don't I think it maybe depends on what kind of person you are like you know not that I'm like a film bro or anything and I'll like ride or die for whatever mm. film I, I I'm championing and like everyone else is wrong I don't mean that but I think you see something and you realize that like if you love the film probably another a, a large group yeah. of people will love it as well and a lot of it's about the presentation and knowing your audience and I think having a variety of topics and of opinions right like there really is something for everyone and the, the cinematic language is explored in so many different ways and I think it's like if you have an eye out for that and don't just like one type of thing mm. and like to be surprised which is what discovery is about then then that has worked for me I don't know if I answered that in no, a, in no, like no. a um, strange way that's sort of,
0: <laughs> you, let's be honest, do you think that willingness to be surprised and that open-mindedness is what makes a good programmer oh that's that's
1: interesting uh I th- I think that's definitely part of it because I you know everyone has to remember that they're not programming for themselves mm-hmm. of course people are also tied to their audiences like maybe you have a you run a really specific type of cinema in a specific type of community and that community really comes out for a certain type of film mm-hmm. of course you would you would cater to that but then I would think that the idea would be to expand people's knowledge of the cinematic language and then to expand people's knowledge of, of cinema in general and to give them a peek into other parts of the world or other types of filmmaking would would be like the goal yeah. right
0: and what's your festival <laughs> experience like you you kind of do you come on and introduce the film to the audience and then their the q and is afterwards and, and what's that like for you is that like a really special moment yeah it, it really is it's what's well,
1: so different for me this year because this is the first year that I've really uh, you know been able to present the films that I've I've selected mm. I haven't been working under someone so <laughs> it's a really cool feeling to see a film in a screening room, or in your in your on your TV, or however however you screen, and then to watch the full process of it being invited, and the filmmakers coming, and then finally getting to present it to a full cinema of people, it's an incredible feeling, and I feel really lucky because. Like I was saying, I work with first and second time directors, and they're always so genuinely excited because it's often their their first big moment, and so the energy is gen- generally pretty infectious. Yeah. Do you have
0: like a like exhale moment of it going down? Well, well?
1: that was just wild. I mean, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is Celine siama's fourth feature, so she's definitely not not new yeah. to the game. We showed um, we showed Water Lilies and Girlhood at the festival as well. So, but but that's that's a completely different thing where there's you know a film that sells out. In like a day or two to a massive cinema everyone's Mm -hmm. full and then there's like a three to five minute standing ovation and people are just sobbing um, and and the director really gets overwhelmed it's a a really cool feeling and honestly like I don't want to sound like a weird nationalist because I'm absolutely not but Toronto audiences are genuinely really lovely like people stick around for Q&As here and are Uh really like infectious with their with their passion for cinema so the feedback that I do get from filmmakers is that people really love presenting here because they get such a huge and wonderful Mm. reception.
0: Do you think that's because TIFF uh, has kind of grown that audience, or do you think TIFF served what was already here? Why do you think they're so invested in film?
1: That's really interesting. I I definitely think there's been an audience growing. It's the 44th year of the festival, so there are are loyal patrons that have been here from the beginning, and Mm. they're like, you know, people that, that tell you that they take two weeks off work to to do the festival or to, to attend as many films mm. as they can but there's also I think a pretty great passion for, for cinema in Toronto in general you know like there's there's a lot of arts programming we're definitely competing I think there's something like I'm not joking like 90 film festivals in Toronto which is wow. crazy um, so there, there's definitely a lot of there are definitely a lot of groups to service and I've noticed it's one of those festivals that it could be like 9.30 in the morning on a Tuesday and there'll be a, a lineup around the cinema during the festival not not during a regular <laughs> day obviously but um yeah there there is something special happening here.
0: And what's the hardest part of the job for you?
1: Uh, probably the hours and the travel. I would say mm-hmm. it's you know it's pretty it's pretty exhausting, and also like explaining to your your friends and family what you actually do because <laughs> it doesn't sound like a real job yeah. half the time. You know, like people just assume you are just watching movies mm-hmm.
0: all day. So, so you go out to <laughs> other festivals to kind of see what's out there and then yeah. decide what to bring to TIFF
1: to right? scout. I mean, so the the discovery program is world and international premieres only. So I'm I'm not programming out of other festivals, yeah. though I do that for Central and Eastern European titles. Mm-hmm. But so the, the challenge of traveling is, you know, going to a new country or an, a new landscape or wherever and like seeing seeing who's out there and who's making cinema and who's making great work.
0: Where do you do them begin with that? They say it's a country that kind of doesn't have a great infrastructure and mm-hmm. a low production capacity. Who do you go to to say, OK, where do I find the films that you guys are making?
1: So the, I. This has been a learning curve. I, I think at the first festival, I, like, really, I got assigned to scout uh, films from the Caucasus about five years ago, mm-hmm. so I just blindly was like, I'm going to Armenia, and <laughs> I will go to this festival in Armenia and meet people. Yes. And I went there, and that was, I, I mean, I, d- I did meet people, but it was one of those, like, series of of hilarious events that, like, were a, a bunch of fails. But what I've learned now is that there are many ways of making contacts, especially when you're a film programmer, yeah. so you contact national agencies or you contact filmmakers that have had films in the festival or that you know of and ask for connections and you just spend your time meeting people and seeing their films it also of course helps if you have a background in that country's cinema so you can you can be well versed in what's already been made and who's who's in production who's working with who and have you
0: had something that you've been particularly proud to program
1: so many things i i think one of my craziest programming experiences was a couple of years ago I went to Kyrgyzstan which was which was wild at first I went to Kazakhstan incredibly beautiful saw great films and then I decided to go to, for a day and a half to Kyrgyzstan to Bishkek to the capital and they were so helpful to me the, the the national agency there was so helpful to me to introduce people and to organize a screening room for me and they showed me I think like seven films in a day which wow. was <laughs> <A> exhausting, <laughs> and like several of them were more than like two hours also I was like okay this is that's fine <laughs> we're doing it but in, in in that in that trip on that trip I found the, the most beautiful film called Suleiman's Mountain from Elizaveta Stishova and I brought it to Toronto and it was one of those infectious premieres also where I remember at the beginning on the first screening, the the cinema was completely full, which did and didn't surprise me. But one of the questions I asked in the audience was like, who here has been to Kyrgyzstan or like no you know, or like has family in Kyrgyzstan or is from Kyrgyzstan? And most of the audience raised their hand and I was just like, oh right. Like we've never shown a film from Kyrgyzstan before. This is what mm, people have yeah, been yeah. waiting for. Oh. And then, you know, they put their hands down and I asked like who here has been to the Toronto International Film Festival? And all of them put their hands down. So that just like really was a super special experience to bring new people into the festival culture and hopefully, you know, some of them or all of them ex- expanded other mm-hmm. types of films they were seeing, two other types of films they were seeing but also th- the film played well and then it played around the world and then full circle, uh, about nine months later, uh, Elisabetta took her film to Carlo Vivare in the Czech Republic where she was in the East-West competition which she won and the I, I can't remember what the amount is but the, the prize is quite a lot of money and she's this rad Russian director who, who works a lot in Kyrgyzstan was her first film I don't know if I mentioned but then she she donated all of the money to Oleg Sentsov's family like on the spot and I just remember thinking like oh yeah like you're a beautiful person you're incredible and you just like needed that push to like get out there in yeah. the world and now you're just first of all making beautiful films and also doing incredible work and yeah. it just made me really happy
0: and do you have like a network of programmers that you feel like you can like go to to sort of ask questions or just a wider industry kind of people that you rely on for support
1: yeah definitely definitely my colleagues like everyone here is is truly incredible and we're all like family uh, so i've been learning a lot from everyone at TIFF, but also by by the you know the de facto nature of this job is that you inevitably see like certain people five times a year in whatever other festival, mm-hmm. and they kind of you, you develop a relationship or whatever kind of friendship with them through the years. The longer you you're doing it, so yeah, we def- we definitely all talk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how do you avoid burnout? Because obviously it's a hectic schedule, like both throughout the festival and then all year round when you, as you say, you travel a lot for the job. Um, do you get downtime <laughs> a little bit
1: I honestly like not not a ton I try to take a little bit of vacation mm. but the work is really precarious and it's you know it's like independent journalism or podcasting yeah. I'm I'm assuming you're hustling a lot and it's yeah. this is a side hustle
0: I do not make any money out of this <laughs> oh
1: my god good for you I mean
0: or, or is it good for you is this is this bad for you <laughs> I mean I, I feel like when you have something that you want it's kind of nice for me I like having something that isn't for money like Mm -hmm. it's nice that I can afford to do that and I have a full-time job that I can fit this in around and it's nice to do something where you don't have to earn money out of it for me that sort of protects the creativity and just the the fun of doing it is that I'm not monetizing it at the moment
1: yeah I I don't have advice I have no idea I feel like I'm probably like on a high speed train to burnoutville so
0: it's just interesting how how do you sustain a career in your love of you know 10 15 years down the line when you've been doing if you've been doing it for that long it's kind of
1: honestly no clue like so far as <laughs> as you learned from my answering your how I got into programming question is like my life choices have been so random and led <laughs> me to to this that i just like maybe i like kind of assumed that it would this would lead somewhere else right. that would be exciting and and equally fulfilling but I don't know. I, to be honest, I guess I haven't seen this as a long-term possibility. I would love that, mm. but I don't know. I don't know how much longer I could live like this. No, no this, this is not what I mean. I've, like, my life is really beautiful, but it's like it's a young person's game. Yeah, you know? yeah. and I'm not old. I'm 33 <laughs> years old, and I already feel like I'm like you know.
0: I'm also interested interested in how you how you position the films once mm-hmm. you've selected them because it's all very well saying you know this is a really good film and we selected it and therefore yeah. you know, the reputation of TIFF is that if it's in the festival it's it's got some clout, but how with over 200 or so films in the Mm -hmm. program Mm -hmm. how do you entice people to come and watch a film in, say, the Discovery section?
1: That is that is not the easiest <laughs> thing to do. So there there are around, I think, 244, maybe 245 feature-length films in the festival, mm-hmm. and an additional, like, 55 shorts throughout various okay. programs. And, to be honest, like, I, most of my films don't, first of all, they, they do not have recognizable directors, because it's usually their first or second film, mm-hmm. and they're usually world premieres, because that's the structure of the section, so it's not like they're coming yeah. from other festivals with awards or, or like, big prizes. And they very rarely have known actors in them once again because they are first and second time <laughs> films although this year there's um, there are three films Alina Lowenson is is in a film called Simple Women and Nina Haas is in a film called The Audition and uh, Barbara Sukova huh, is in is in Filippo Meneghetti's Two of Us so there there are some some names but no big gala stars that are that are drawing in the mm. numbers so a lot of it has to do with relying on people Supporting a section that is unknown and wanting to find the masters of tomorrow, which is which is really how this section is. I was gonna say marketed, but that sounds like it's like a ploy, yeah, but it, yeah. it's that is what the nature of the section is. you know, like discovery has only been around since I believe nineteen ninety six but in the 44 years of Toronto International Film Festival's existence, we have a really beautiful history of supporting first and second time filmmakers, and that includes, like, the world premieres of films, the world premieres of first films from, like, Christopher Nolan, Lav Diaz, Yorgos Lanthimos, Marin Ada. you know. Uh, we also show the international premieres of Barry Jenkins, m- many, many other directors, and so there's definitely a history of film people finding their filmmakers by seeing their first yeah. films here in Toronto. I'm, I'm also missing huge names like Alfonso Crohn Jafar Panahi, Jean-Marc Vallée, yeah. Valeska Grisbach. Like they're... Incredible filmmakers have come out of the section. My favorite filmmaker, who I forgot, Ildiko and Yeti, mm. also started yes. in Discovery. The, My 20th Century premiered here. Uh, Chantal Ackerman started in as a first. Yeah, as a, okay. it was her second film in 1976 that played at TIFF. Like it's, you know, if if you are in the habit of taking risks and
0: playing the long game, almost playing common. the long game.
1: Then I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Whatever like cultural value it has to be like, oh, was that that person's first yeah. film? Or like if that means anything, it probably doesn't. But yeah. that I think that's really cool and it's really exciting. And that's the idea for this section, to find the visionary filmmakers of tomorrow. So mm-hmm. what we're promising, what we're proposing is that, you know, you come to these films and you take a risk. And we really think that these people someday are going to make, like, that big film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or or this will be that big film for yeah. you, you know. Like, um, My 20th Century, as I was saying, is my favorite film of all time. And that's Ilda first film, so.
0: And part of the fun of a festival for me is yeah. taking a punt, like because you the things that already have distribution or you know, the big the big galas, you kind of feel like, well, you know, I could go see that in the cinema in yeah. a few months' time, whereas the smaller stuff that maybe might not find distribution, or you kind of exactly. think actually this could be, you know, one of my few opportunities to see it.
1: Exactly. I mean there there's something really exciting about like seeing a red carpet and like Nicole Kidman on on stage. Mm. Like I understand why people flock to that, but I just like I hope that people are, you know, making their festival selections in a balanced way. That mm. would be that would be really really cool (laughs) and
0: part of the job as well is presumably expressing what you like about film and Mm -hmm. was that something you sort of had to like teach yourself how to like write about films like in the program where you you sort of write up Hmm. a little bio or you know what did what you liked about it
1: Uh, I think I mean not that I think I'm a great writer I think I'm like an okay writer but that has come fairly naturally and I think mm. it comes from the fact that you just want to do the best by the filmmaker and by the film and you genu- genuinely saw something that you're so excited about and you get like 300 words to convince someone or to, to tell them like yeah. why it's the most wonderful thing and it applies to them so I haven't found that part challenging but and do you do that as soon as you
0: see it? You kind of write down what you think or you kind of come back to it?
1: Like? I do it as soon as the film is yeah. confirmed you know I'll invite a film and then when they say yes we're coming I'll basically write it then and there just so I still have like the freshness of the 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 excitement and the memory of exactly what happened in the film
0: completely and is there anything about the job that you think is misunderstood or that might surprise people about what you do
1: oh I mean I don't know if people think that we make a lot of money but we don't so maybe (laughs) maybe maybe that yeah I guess the misunderstood part would just be that we're just watching movies, which is yeah. half of it, but not really it was a big not the whole story yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I mean it's it's a it's the film industry it's a business you know mm-hmm. so there are there are a lot of moving parts that uh, when people ask me um, when people ask me you know how, how I got this job or how how to get into film and what advice I have I, I do tell them to like you know figure out what a sales agent does figure out what a distributor does and why films get marketed and then you will be that much um, at a higher level when you're doing interviews because I I don't know how things are in the UK or or in many other places but the film business isn't generally taught it's you can you can learn filmmaking you can learn film history but in in my experience I didn't really know how all of this worked until I was thrown it completely into it and you just like figure it out but um, it would it would be it would have been good yeah, for me I mean, to know some stuff ahead of time, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's a learning curve. I, th- th- I mean, that's what the uh, – there's a whole industry conference that happens during the festival, and that's mm-hmm. the idea of what – not just here, but at a, other festivals, what that's for, to, like, literally learn how to how to sell your film or how to market your film or how to position your film at a film festival and what to do next. And mm-hmm. those are questions that, you know, like a producer helps you with, but you don't always come to a film come, – come with a producer mm-hmm. to a festival or to – to the marketplace so I mean I th- I think everyone should know it but I don't think everyone has to know it you know I also firmly believe that some artists are purely artists and you make your art and mm. that's you stick to that and you have people that help you on the business side but I don't know it's 2019 if, if you kind of have to do it all to, yeah. to succeed you know
0: um, and I mean speaking of the idea that the film industry is changing so quickly do you mm-hmm. think there will be a place for programming? 10, 20 years in the
1: future? (laughs) Oh my god, I I have no idea. Yes? Will people be watching cinema during the water wars? (laughs) Probably not, like, I I don't know. As I was saying, I program Central and Eastern European cinema, and I don't have, like, the most, the brightest outlook on, like, the future of humanity, Uh so, tough tough question.
0: (laughs) Has it it been kind of joyous watching more and more people be exposed to global cinema and, and Eastern European cinema, and, you know, from all corners of the world, I feel like? A lot more people are watching yeah, yeah. niche and uh, yeah foreign cinema
1: definitely i i mean I'm, I'm i'm from an immigrant family and i grew up mostly watching foreign film to be honest mm-hmm. like i have seen it's not that i've seen very little american cinema but that is definitely not mm-hmm. my my reference point for for films mm-hmm. so i i guess i just get surprised when people don't know a lot of world <laughs> cinema that's that's kind of been my experience yeah the yeah, best is like <laughs> <or>,
0: uh, <laughs> so good yeah, but just like things like that where um suddenly for like it's it's accessing a wider public is kind of yeah and then finally <laughs> this is going to be probably a really tough decision for you but is there something in the program that you are particularly excited for people to see
1: it is really hard to choose something but i will the reason I will choose a single film to highlight it's because is because um, it's the it's the first film that we've ever shown in Toronto from Kosovo. It's a Kosovan Albanian production from a director named Antonetta Castrati. The film is called Zana. It's her first film and it's uh, first of all, it's one of those films where you watch and you can't believe that it's a first feature because it's it's very masterful, it's very mature, it's very intelligent, and it's very self-assured in the direction but the director, Antonetta wrote the film based on losing her sister and mother in in the war. And she... N- that's not what the film is about. The I don't know how much you want to hear about the plot, and no, I don't no, want to spoil anything, anything but... <laughs> so the, the film is about a woman... Who has lost a child in the war, and she's she belongs to a small Kosovo village, and her husband and mother-in-law are pressuring her to have another child, but she's extremely traumatized from the loss of her first child, and so the film is kind of about her uh, mental and physical journey to get pregnant again and to stay pregnant, and uh, to decide if she could actually have another mm-hmm. child and and bring life again, and it's so powerful when i saw it i was like immobile um and i i'm really excited for audiences to see it here and i'm excited to see it travel too because i think she's doing something really different and really important
0: Mm. dorothy thank you so much thank you this was really fun Thank you to dorota for taking the time to come and chat to me and if you enjoy this episode of best girl grip take to itunes and leave me a review or spread the word on social media i'm at stone cold fox on twitter s-t-o-n-e-c-o-l-e-d-f-o-x and i'd love to hear from you